Hey everyone, before we dive into today's very special Top 50 Albums of 2016 podcast, just wanted to give you that obligatory reminder to give us a follow on Twitter, at ListenInPod. Get at us. Let's start the show. Listen in podcast, December 15th, episode 52. This is the top 50 albums of 2016. It's an exciting day for the Listen in podcast. Um, a day to look back and uh, to reflect upon all the albums we listened to and then rank them accordingly. That's right. So what we're going to do in this episode is we are going to count down our 50th to our first album of the year. Uh, but first, I want to talk about what we thought about the year as a whole in terms of albums. Before you do that, I want to give a quick shout to last week's episode. That's right. Our top 50 songs of 2016. Mm. Um, that is... <laughs> mm. That is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever your I, uh, where your podcasts are sold. That's right. Um, so give that a listen. Um it doesn't matter which order you listen to them, but that's out there too if you're interested. That's out there. Then next week we just are doing a general end of the year recap. We got some fun awards to give out. We have some superlatives to do. We're just going to be talking about major trends, who won the year, um, big news stories, things like that. So Most overrated album, most underrated album. Yeah. So check back in a week or so. We'll be doing some fun end of the year stuff. But this week we are doing favorite albums of the year. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into what we thought about the year in albums. So a lot of people, a lot of critics, a lot of end of the year lists have been touting 2016 as kind of a return to form for the album as a whole, for the album as a piece of art. Uh, there's been a lot of talk the past couple years about how the album isn't relevant anymore, how... Uh, not a lot of interesting things are happening with that medium, but it seems like people are a lot more excited about what could happen with an album in 2016 from the surprise releases we had to the career-capping releases for a lot of the people that yeah. passed this year. So it seems like the album had a bit of a renaissance. What do you think of yeah, this? Yeah, it's interesting because it's like simultaneously a renaissance, and I think that because of streaming and because of things like Life of Pablo by Kanye... It's also kind of a reinvention, and I think that is where some of the rejuvenation has been in terms of like the album as a medium, because um, Kanye is an example of one where now it seems like albums you never know when they're done, and like we we like we said earlier this year, I think we joked that with album release dates at this point, the only day you can pretty much be sure it won't come out is the day they announce it'll come out. <laughs> That's right, and they'll be say they'll say for months like December fifteenth. And you can you can basically just mark your calendar with red on that. You can day. X that out. Yeah, put yeah. the black mark on that <laughs> on that right. date in the calendar because it's not coming out that day. It'll be released early by surprise. It'll be streamed on like Stereo Gum or something early, right? Or like Kanye West, and I think we'll start to see more of this. Artists might just tinker with it throughout the couple months. That's the right. The course of a few weeks. So, whenever I hear about the death of the album. It makes me think of all these thing pieces about the death of rock music. Mm -hmm. Sure, as as a whole, um, maybe albums are a little less popular than they were before. Just like how rock music is not the preferred form of pop music anymore. But there's still a huge chunk of people and a huge audience of people who the album is the most important measuring stick of artistic merit when it comes to music. So, I mean. 
2014, not a great year in terms of music. Albums were still very, very important, though. And so, so it was last year. We had one of the most important albums, I think, of the decade with um, To Pimp a Butterfly. Right. And, you know, this year has been no different. Yeah, we had a lot of strong albums. So to me, I think this the album is back thing is just a narrative. It's just a storyline that people are throwing out there um, because it's convenient and it's an easy thing to talk about. I think albums have kind of always been an important piece of the greater music listening experience. Yeah, I think part of the reason that is in the dialogue and that you and I have to keep in mind is that I think for a, a lot of people, I'd say even the majority of music listeners, albums are less important than they are to us. I mean, I think a lot of people who are like serious about listening to music and take it not even necessarily to our level where like we have a spreadsheet of albums we've listened to and are kind of obsessed with listening to new records, but people who are pretty serious about music, I think albums have remained important, but for most for a lot of people who are casual to even semi-serious music fans, I think some people are music fans the same way that I am like a movie fan, where I I'm not going to try to catch every important one. I'm going to try to catch some of the most important ones come Oscar season, but I don't have the time. And I think it's just, you know, with albums, um, yeah, there's been a bit of a renaissance this year in terms of their importance. And I think it is because of some of that format stuff we talked about. Yeah, I mean, the Lemonades of the World, the Life mm-hmm. of Pablos of the World, even something that was, you know, didn't necessarily live up to expectations like views was yep. still, that Huge. was on the Billboard charts for weeks. So. Yeah. I think it, with Views, too, Views is actually a good case in point for, I think, the way people actually listen to music now, too, mm. where, yeah, it made a big splash. It was a huge thing when it came out, and it was a, like a big story, and everyone reviewed it and all that. I think that the songs on Views are kind of what has continued to make it important, because people listen to One Dance. People listen to... Uh, I forget Control... The name. Uh, What's the song with Rihanna? Um, what's that called? I forget now. I don't remember what it's called. It's a good song. But... This is good radio. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah. So like, but I think that's for a good reason because Views is not an album that pushed like the concept of an album anywhere. Really, it's just an album. It's just a collection of songs. Yeah. Really. Whereas Lemonade is this surprise slash visual album. Right. Frank Ocean did something where he released kind of two and one. Right. One was visual. One was regular whatever regular means right. and Kanye obviously was doing the tinkering thing right. um, I'm sure there's more we could think of there's but. a lot and you know we're going to get into a lot of these I think there's specific cases with a lot of the albums we're going to talk about before we do that before we get into our countdown let's talk about how we ranked our albums and what our yeah. system was for this so throughout the year Jake and I have both kept a diligently kept a very detailed spreadsheet of all of the different records that we've listened to throughout the year. And what we ended up doing at the end was we ranked them on a set of different criteria mm-hmm. out of 10. So this criteria was overall enjoyment, its relevance in terms of pop culture and music in general, uh, its emotional impact, the lyrics on the album, the melodies and or hooks on the album, the instrumentation and production, the replayability factor of it, and the length of it. So we took all of these different criteria, we ranked those on a scale of 10, and then we averaged out all of those different scores, and we got our overall score. For anyone who is familiar with us dating as far back as the midway point of this year, in June when we did our recap of the year so far, and we we used the same ranking system for that. So... Excuse me. The um, I don't know why I'm saying excuse me. That's sort of weird. That's like I'm in a meeting at work. Great radio. Excuse me. 
Because I burped a little bit. Thanks, listeners, for sticking with us through, <laughs> oh, through that great bit of radio. Um, same exact system as the mid-year rankings. That's right. Was my larger point. And then what we did, so Jake and I both ranked on each of the, one of those criteria, and then we took the scores that we had and we averaged our two scores together. So, for example, if I gave the new Bonnie Vair record in... 8 out of 10, and Jake gave it a 9 out of 10, it would end up with an 8.5 out of 10. And then from there, we had our uh, aggregate ratings together. Fun fact, this time around, to avoid ties wherever possible, I actually expanded my score by an extra I decimal saw that. point. I saw that. And like, there were still some were like tied. I saw like, that. I, saw, I had some that were like 8.413. I had three that were that exact number. But yeah, having a third decimal point out helped me break some, some ties, unlike last time. Uh, one note before we get into these rankings, or a couple different notes, I just want to say that these are Jake and my favorites of the year. We're not saying that these were the best albums objectively of the year. We're not saying that everyone else is wrong and we're right. We're just saying that these are the ones that resonated with us throughout the year. And, you know, we're a very specific brand of music listener. We are two white middle-class males from New Hampshire. So there's a certain type of music that might resonate with us more than others. That being said, I think we both did a good job of listening to a wide range of music this year, and I think that's reflected in our list. But for anyone who thinks that we're missing something or that we didn't give one genre or one artist the credit that it's due... You know, that happens. It's, music is very biased. It's one of the most subjective art forms that we have. And as a result, you're going to see that reflected in our list. Well, and I think a good reason for that or a part of it is, like you said, music is ultimately biased. It's very personal. And what you like, it's you can't help. You can try to make it an objective practice, um, but it's impossible. And that is actually demonstrated by the fact that if you look at our ranking criteria... One is relevance, and that's like relevance to culture. And so yep. that's where some of it gets a little bit balanced. But then we have, right. whatever, seven other criteria that are right. all personal. Right. Um, so there are some records, like an example is the new Solange record. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is it yes, Solange? Solange. Um, so uh, A Seat at the Table is the name of the album, and it's been getting a lot of love from critics' end-of-year list, from Pitchfork, where it was number one. I think it was number one on, on Spin. Spin as well, yeah. Um, and and other than that, it's it's being it's ranked top ten in a lot of places, top five. So I don't think we're not going to see that on our list. It will not be on our top um, fifty. And part of that is that it came out recently, and the two of us have really only barely started to listen to it. I mean, I think I've listened five times. Yeah, four, I, four, I, five. For I me, gave yeah. it a ranking, but we didn't feel necessarily comfortable throwing it on yet. And also. To be completely honest with ourselves and to the listeners, we're not like loving it. Right. I, I like it. I can see what's considered great about it, but it hasn't resonated with me as much as some others. Agreed. And this is something we're going to talk more about next week on our end of the year recap. We're going to talk about some of the end of the year lists and kind of the trends that we were seeing with that. But the other thing that I want to note about end of the year rankings too is that it's a futile process. This is one snapshot of one part of the year. It just so happens right. that... December is the month where we come out with our rankings. In three months' time, these rankings might change. Or three months ago, these rankings could have been totally different. I think a great example of that is back when we did our mid-year rankings. We had a different album at our number one, and that has fallen a little bit. Spoiler alert. So, you know, ranking these is, like I said, it's a futile process. I can definitely see some of those albums that I've discovered later on in the year. Um 
moving up my list yep. because I spend more time with them and I can see some of the other ones moving down. So it just it's a snapshot, it's a time in, in place thing and this is kind of a fluid process. And it's sort of artificial because we're really just picking a point in time based on the fact that the calendar says it's the end of a year, this means we're moving on to another year. Um sounding very hippie-ish now. Hmm. That was a very hippie What's time, time, man? Time's just a constraint, man. It's handcuffs, man. Take off your wristwatch, man. It's a shackle. But, um... So, yeah, like, an example is... Take uh, Bowie's album, or Pine Grove's album. Those came out in January and February. And, you know... Those may as well have been on last year's list for all That's intents right. and purposes. It really those albums at this point feel like a year ago because they are. Yeah. But then in another part of the problem is albums like a tribe tri, bleh, tribe called Quest, Beyonce. I'm not Beyonce. Solange. Yep. Come out really late in the year. Yep. What's hard about that is that even if they are great, it's difficult to balance on few listens how good they are, how much you really like them when you're trying to rank other stuff. You know, this takes time to make a list, compile it, rank everything, yep. do the aggregate, and also get in listens on new albums. So albums from November and December, I think the tendency is there's either an artificial bump based on not enough listens, or there's, like Solange, it's not in the list because we just didn't feel we got to it enough. Exactly. And so that's, it's, it is kind of futile because really... I mean, I think we did it in the midway through the year. You could, in theory, do this on like a rolling six-month schedule. Right. Best albums of the past six months. And you know what we're going to do is probably, you know, maybe in the doldrums of March yeah. or, or April or something like that when not a lot's going on is we revisit 2016. We say, how would our rankings change? I think we did that for 2015 albums earlier this year. Right. Um, I think at the very least we, and we should do that, I think one thing we definitely want to talk about on that podcast when we do it is revisit specifically November and December of 2016. Yes, yes, Actually, more specifically December. Because those are the albums that are going to fall through the cracks. It's like when, um, what's his name, D'Angelo came out with, is it the Black Black Messiah? Messiah. I never even listened to it that year. And it it doesn't end up, and I actually saw, I mentioned this last week, but Archie Marshall on some lists for this year. And that album came out last year. That's right. And yeah, another thing too is you end up uh, finding a lot of albums on end of the year lists that man, might have come out back in March or April that you just didn't get around to, and then you listen to them now, and those become favorites, but you only discovered them in December. So we'll go back and we'll kind of revisit and we'll see how things might have changed. Uh, so let's dive into our top fifty albums list, Jake. Um, I know what we wanted to do was mention a couple honorable mentions yeah. that fell just outside of our top fifty. So before we start, let's. Uh Settle our ground rules here. Do you want to do rapid fire like we did with yeah, the songs? Yeah, let's do let's do rapid fire. Okay. We'll go back and forth until we hit number ten. Okay, so for just for the honorable mentions now. So this is these are three albums that fell just outside of our top fifty. I'll, I'll start off. Sure. Um, number fifty three is Henrietta with uh, Paper Wings. So this is I don't know exactly how to describe it. Kind of a pop punkish record um, that we both really enjoyed and it ended up falling just outside our top 50 so we wanted to give it a little shine yeah number 52 honorable mention we had Y Oak with tween this was some leftover songs that Y Oak had kicking around put out an album with it ended up being pretty decent you know enjoyable overall just wasn't enough to bump its way into our top 50 and number 51 um, falling literally so close to the mm. top 50 that it could taste it, but it was point oh one points away from oh. being in the top 50. Is The Range with Potential. So uh, The Range is an instrumental it's kind uh, of a producer, producer DJ yep. type of album. Um, I actually reviewed it when we had a site. 
Um, and it's it's a really good record, but it just, I think as the year went on, di- I didn't end up listening to it a lot. The other thing we wanted to do before we jump into the top 50 is talk about, what, a couple albums each that one of, that, like, so I might have picked an album and ranked it pretty high, or Sean might have done that, but the other didn't listen enough to rank it. Yeah. Um, do you have one in mind, or do you want... Uh, you can go first, actually. Okay, so one I wanted to highlight was Halfway F- um, with Probable Depths. This ended up coming... At, well, it didn't really come in at 57. That's what it looks like on the spreadsheet. But I gave this an 8.6. Um, th- it's like a uh, synth sort of pop album short. So I guess Halfway... F- the girl at Halfway F- is actually was in Pine Grove. Yeah. Or like is in Pine Grove yep. or whatever. So that's a really good one. Um, if there's one other... Um, I guess I'd have to say Parquet Courts, which I enjoyed through the year, and I, I'll, I'll leave it at that because that's yeah. yeah let's not get into Parquet Courts. We've had we've had actually like the only argument we had on the podcast was on Parquet yeah. Courts. Yeah, uh, I got one for you before we dive into our top fifty. That's Wild Nothing with Life of Pause. I, I gave this like an eight point three. I didn't think this album was great compared to what else Wild Nothing has done, but I went back and I listened to it, and it was better than I expected it to be. Uh, I think this kind of got overlooked this year. It seems like. They were a little bit of a buzz band a couple years ago when they came out with Nocturne. Seems like all of that goodwill just kind of evaporated overnight. Weirdly overlooked record this year that's better than what people expect. So if you like Wild Nothing and you've been uh, kind of hesitant to listen to it, I, I would say go back and, and give it another shot. Uh, Life of Paws Blow. Yeah, Life of Paws Blow. I like that. Uh, all right, you want to dive in to the to the top fifty? So just looking at how they shake out, why don't I stop start with fifty? I, I was gonna, I was gonna um, say that, yeah, because uh, actually last time you did, yeah. I think. So, yeah, so I'll you, go even start with time. fifty. Here we okay, go. coming in at number fifty on our top fifty albums of twenty sixteen. Um, if you're a dedicated listener, you know this one is coming at some point. Kevin Gates with Isla. Actually, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Um, this is Ben sort of the great party rap yep. album of the year for us. Mostly a singles album yep. from my perspective. I haven't listened to it a ton, uh, but it, it just squeaked into our top 50 at number 50. Number 49, we have Beach Slang, a loud bash of teenage feelings, the sophomore effort from Beach Slang. Uh, this is a little bit of a retread of what they did on their first full-length album. Still enjoyable. The formula still works, though. Number 48, uh, one that's very near and dear to my heart is Jank. With We sort of ranked this together. Versace Summer, the EP, with their full-length awkward pop songs. Um, this makes the list solely because of my score. This was, I think, 11th on my list mm-hmm. overall. Um, and I love both these records. I love Jank. Um, and it makes the list because of that. Yep, number 47, we have Japanese Breakfast with Psycho Pump. Um, great lead single on this album, Everybody Wants to Love You. Uh, pretty enjoyable overall, short list in about 27 minutes. Number 46, we have Flock of Dimes with If You See Me Say Yes. Kind of a synthy uh, record by the lead singer from Wyoke, which who had another album that fell right outside our top 50. Number 45, we have Drake with views. This one gets pulled into the top 50, probably on the strength of my review. I like this a lot more than a lot of people did this year. Uh, it is uneven. It is a mess, but it's still Drake. He still has a knack for writing great pop songs. Uh, very enjoyable still. Number 44, we have Ra Ra Riot with Need Your Light, um, a pop rock extravaganza of an album. Just hook on hook on hook. Rostam's involved. Give this a listen if you like some pop. Number 43, we have No Name with Telephone, one of the most unique rap albums of the year, I think. The instrumentation, the the rapping style on this is like nothing 
you've heard really and nothing like any of the other rap albums that are on our list spoken word jazzy a little bit that's right number 42 pity sex white hot moon um from my experience with pity sex this was kind of a departure in, in that I think the previous albums were a little bit more noisy weren't they and a little bit more yeah. aggressive yep this was actually kind of a almost like a poppy grunge sound mm-hmm. on this album really really enjoyable um, a highlight for me is I forget there's like a song in the middle about when her mom died mm-hmm. my mother died in June or whatever yeah. um, really cool record worth giving a listen number 41 we have Jeff Rosenstock with Worry this Ooh. was a late addition to our list as it in literally today. made it today on the strength of a few uh, listens that we've got in the past two days. Really smart punk record. Um, blends a lot of different influences and punk sounds into this one. Reminds me a lot of Titus Andronicus. Give this a listen if you like Titus. Number 40, Kevin Morby with Singing Saw. Um, Dylan-esque, um, folky sort of record in terms of his vocals. Um, really nice folk record um, from this year. Number 39, we have Juliana Barwick with Will. This is the follow-up to her last album, Nepenthe. Uh, some really good kind of ambient um, and kind of just vocal without any lyrics uh, sort of music. Relaxing. Really good if you're trying to get some work done, Jake. Sean, I'm going to give you number 38. Number 38, we have Frightened Rabbit, Painting of a Panic Attack. This is another one that was pulled into our top 50 on the strength of one of my... Uh, ratings for it. This is the jank of Sean's list. This is the jank of my list. Jank is the jank of Jake's list. (laughs) (laughs) Jank is the jank of Jake's jank. So Frightened Rabbit, I think this album was a little bit overlooked. They're doing a lot of the same things. It's kind of like the views of the indie folk world where uh, they're just doing kind of the same thing, but if you like the Frightened Rabbit formula, you're going to enjoy Painting of a Panic Attack. Want me to do the next two and we'll get back to what we're doing? Okay, um, actually that wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, it would. Okay, number 37, Slingshot Dakota with Break. Um, this is a really interesting record that wasn't what I expected. They're on Top Shelf, right? Or something like that. Aren't mm-hmm. they on one of those labels? Mm-hmm. Um, and so based on that, I expected like an emo or a punk record. It's actually kind of a synthy pop record with some rock elements. Really, really catchy stuff. The first track, You, has always been a highlight for me. Number 36, we have alt-country stalwart uh, Sturgill Simpson with A Sailor's Guide to Earth. Very touching um, and in some places, sort of hard rocking country album. The only one that made our list this year, believe it or not. <laughs> listeners know we love country. Um, a Sailor's Guide to Earth is is very worth checking out. Um, sort of an ode to fatherhood and his new son. Number thirty five, we have Angel Olsen with My Woman. This is an album that is ranked very, very highly on a lot of end of the year lists. It does make ours here at number thirty five. Uh, really good songwriting on here. Some cr- classic rock influences. Uh, pretty enjoyable overall. Number 34, we have a very, very intense new record from Old Grey. Slow Burn is the name of the album. So Old Grey is the... Um, well, I've seen some reviews calling it the side project. I, know, of, I think of, that's disparaging. I th- yeah. Well, they say it's the side project of Cam Boucher from Sorority Noise, big friend of the pod. Um, it's not a side project. It was his first band. That's right. And this album is... I mean, this just came out this month, and it's it's really quite the statement. It's awesome. Um, I have never been like a screamo guy, really. Uh, there are few and far between our albums I enjoy. This is quite the statement artistically. Um, hats off to Cam and, and the band on this one. Worth De- listening definitely. to. Definitely. Number 33, we have Camp Cope with their debut album, Camp Cope. This Australian band came out this year. In my opinion, one of the better brand new bands that came out this year. Um 
really heartfelt lyrics on this, emotionally resonant for me. Uh, got a strong rating for me, and again, kind of pulled that into our top 50 list. Number 32, Symbols Eat Guitars with Pretty Ears. Um, an album that if you'd asked me when it came out how high would it have ranked, I would have said as high as the top 10. It kind of slid as the year went on. Um, it's still enjoyable. There's really good songs on it. It just somehow didn't stick with me, but it's good enough to make it into our top 50. Number 31, we have Dive with Is The Is Are. This was actually one of the first few albums that we listened to this year. It came back out in February. Um... Again, I think a lot like Wild Nothing, this was a bit of an overlooked album where in 2012, this was a really popular sound and was resonant with a lot of people and music blogs. It seems like in 2016, this sound has almost been passed by and people aren't really giving it the time of day anymore. Really, really enjoyable album. It might be a little bit long, but there's a lot on here to like. I enjoy it from start to finish. Um, coming in at number 30, Untitled Unmastered by Kendrick Lamar. Um, Get God on the phone. <laughs> I was going to do the next part, but I forgot the words. Before he goes, da-da-da-da-da. Um, anyways, uh, sort of a more of a minor effort when compared to To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, some might say even more enjoyable, literally just enjoyable than To Pimp a Butterfly, because it's easier to listen to. It's a half hour long, um, but this was a really enjoyable album. It has eight tracks, all untitled. Um, and, and Kendrick's just doing Kendrick's stuff throughout the whole thing. Number 29, we have Touche Amore with Stage 4. You want to talk about heavy, emotional albums, this is one for you. It's all about the lead singer, uh, his mother who died of cancer, and kind of the aftermath of that and his struggles with it. Um, really, really intense, so much so that it's kind of hard to go back to a lot of times, but still uh, worth the listen. Number 28, Level Up with Return to Love, Level Up Styled, L-V-L-U-P, all caps. Um, this is a band that draws a lot of influence from lo-fi 90s rock, um, much in the vein of Neutral Milk Hotel. There are some really, really good songs and some good songwriting on this album. It's, it, um, it actually has grown on me a lot as the year went on, or, or since it came out, rather. Number 27, we have Lucy Dacus with No Burden. This is an album that rose big time for me as the year waned. Uh, if you know from our Best Songs of the Year podcast, you know that Strange Torpedo was a highlight. There's a lot of other songs on here to love. Check it out. Number 26, Big Thief with Masterpiece. Um, this was an album that came out, I think, in June, May, something like that. Mm -hmm. Sort of a um, folky rock type album, just like a good old-fashioned rock record, basically. Um, some really good songwriting. Paul... And Masterpiece and Real Love are some highlights. Number 25, we have Kanye West with The Life of Pablo. I'm actually a little bit surprised at how low this ended up on our list. Where was it mid-year? Do we remember? It wa wasn't that high. No, it was in the teens, so I guess it makes sense as the year goes on. Um, you know, for as much press as this got, for as much of a mess as this is, if you go back and you strip all of that noise away, it's actually really, really enjoyable. It's fun to listen to. It really is. Number 24, Tegan and Sarah with Love You to Death. Um, pop hook on pop hook on pop hook. Just endlessly enjoyable to listen to this album. It, it probably, I don't know, with pop albums, 
that are so enjoyable to listen to, they always leave a sugary taste in your mouth. Mm. So I always feel like they get like an inflation on lists because they're just like it's fun it's like to crack listen cocaine. To them. It yeah. is. It's just like I want to keep listening to this because it has all these pop hooks on it. I think it deserves where it's this at. This one's though. I think has a little bit more protein with it though. It, it, does. it sustains it itself does. over time. Getting some protein. Hey, where are you getting your protein? That's <laughs> number twenty three. We have Chance the Rapper with Coloring Book. For my money, the best pure rap album of the year. I think it beats out Kanye. I think it beats out Drake. I think it beats out some of the other ones that have been on a lot of end of the year lists. Um, really great album from Chance. City so damn great. I feel like Alexander. Number twenty two, Frank Ocean with Endless. You won't. You haven't heard the last of Frank Ocean on this list. Oh, Endless spoiler. was <laughs> spoiler alert. Ooh, if I, I mean that is hardly a how spoiler. about how about Endless making it to number twenty two on our list? Seriously, yeah. I mean that is buoyed by. An 8.92 from you and an 8.84 from me. Strong, so that, yeah, strong I, I listened to this yesterday just yeah. to like kind of see if I liked it. I was like, this album is awesome. I really enjoy it. And I don't have Apple Music anymore, so I haven't listened in a while. Got a bootlegged MP3 version I'll give to you. We'll, we'll edit just that Just kidding, out. listeners. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll just cut that edit out. Edit that out. Yeah, we'll cut number, that out. Number 21, we have Told Slant with Going By. Big shout to Mitch, friend of the pod, for introducing us to this album. Isn't this silly? And aren't you beautiful, Jake? How nice of you. You know who else is beautiful? Is the lovely Beyonce, <laughs> who comes in at number 20 with her uh, landmark album, Lemonade. A uh, lot of lists have this at number one, number two, anywhere through five. It's ranking real high. I think Metacritic has it right now as the aggregate number two album of yes. the year. Behind Black Star That's by right. Bowie. Um, I mean, it's Beyonce. It's a great, great album. All Night, uh, Formation, all kinds of great songs on this album. Number 19, we have Jenny Haval. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's it how is. I'm pronouncing it. With Blood Bitch, Vampires, Menstrual Blood. This Just, album is intense, dude. It's crazy. Conceptual Romance, one of my favorite songs of the year. Number 19, Jenny Haval. Number 18, we have Cody by Joyce Manor. Um, these Joyce Manor, as you probably well know, are pop punk sort of uh, mainstays in the emo slash punk scene. Um, they cleaned up their sound a little bit. Even Pitchfork, I saw... They, shit, they said they looked like Everclear. They hey, shit, Pitchfork, fuck you. Yeah, they shit on them a little bit with this because they did that list of like the biggest disappointments of 2016. It said the new Joyce Manor sounds like Everclear. And it's like, listen, I don't know enough about Everclear. Oh, oh, Pitchfork, I didn't know that you acknowledged music from that genre. Yeah. Unless you're going to shit on it. Like, I guess right. that's the only time you'll acknowledge it. Sorry, this wasn't like an experimental jazz slash... <laughs> producer album <laughs> that you give like a nine. So this wasn't like another album from like Burial. But it is Joyce Manor, it's Cody, it's catchy as hell. I it only grew on me. Number 17, we have Blood Orange with Freetown Sound. So um this is an album that I think in 2016 we kind of needed uh just as you know a society, as a people, talked about a lot of important things. But musically, it backed it up as well. Uh, so enjoyable on a couple different fronts. Number 16, The Hotel Year with Goodness. Um, sort of kind of like a big stylistic leap for The Hotel Year in a lot of ways because they were getting on this record some comparisons to R.E.M. with like a jangle pop sound. The songwriting and recording of this album is, it, it is pretty unique. Like an emphasis on drums, an emphasis on isolated vocals and spoken word. It's a little highbrow, and it's it can come off as just a tad pretentious, mm. but the songs hold up. Definitely. Number 15, we have Radiohead with a moon-shaped pool. 
for me, one of the most confounding albums of the year. I'll listen one time and love it. I'll listen another and be bored with it. Um, I think 15 on our list feels about right for this album, though. It's still, it's look, it's Radiohead. It's going to be good. It's going to be enjoyable. It's just maybe not necessarily what we needed this year, Jake. I, I can see that. Number 14, we have Mitski with Puberty 2. I'm happy this one got high on the list. Um, Mitski released, this was an album we were talking about like right when we moved into the house. So back in July, I think it came out a little before then. This is a weird one to kind of describe. It's sort of singer-songwriter-y. It's a little bit hard rock with songs like Your uh, Best American Girl. Um, it has some sort of weird electric elements in places. Uh, some really interesting lyricism on songs like Happy and mm. Dan the Dancer. A lot of highlights on this album. Number 13 might be the most surprising mm. high entry on our yeah. list here. We have Weezer with Weezer, the White Album. Um it's Weezer. I mean, look, they write catchy pop punky songs about girls in California and, you know, that's what you're going to get with it. Sometimes that's all you want. It's fun and Rivers Cuomo has songwriting literally down to a science. Yes. Like he actually uses spreadsheets like us and yeah. is a fucking nerd about writing songs. So that's it why pays it, off. Yeah, it really does. Number 12, Pup with The Dream Is Over, one of the most intense hard rockin' punk albums of the year uh dvp that uh if this tour doesn't kill you i will doubts all kinds of great songs on here that have remained in my rotation through the year number 11 we have leonard cohen you want it darker <laughs> did my best leonard cohen there we lit the, uh, flame. <laughs> the the capper of an amazing career from leonard cohen i'm uh, ready my lord <laughs> that's that's all it needs to be said it's what ended up happening and with that we <laughs> We pump the brakes a little bit. We're gonna slow down. We get into our top ten, Jake. We can take a stretch. We can we can you know sort of unwind, pop a cork in the in the wine here, and settle in for a night. Like put some coals on the fire because <laughs> we're settling in. That's right, we are. So we've we've reached our top ten listeners, which I will now kick off, right? Because I'm even. Yeah. So, yep. Um, that must be fun for listeners to hear me constantly being like, "Ooh, what are we doing? How, how do we like? Did we prepare for this?" Um, number ten, car seat headrest with Teens of Denial, um, one of the most enjoyable rock albums of the year. One of the this is this is why I think when I knew it was going to be high on the list, we talk all the time, Sean, about albums that are really long. Yeah, like an hour, an hour ten, and how that can be a big detractor if there's any filler. We, we like borderline don't like them. We you, just on principle. You get us in that hot zone, thirty-five to forty minutes, eh, thirty Ooh. to thirty-five even. Um, <laughs> car seat headrest comes in at I think a buck ten, mm. an hour ten. Um, it's long. It's the longest album in our top ten. Not a surprise. Um, not a minute's wasted. In my opinion, the, this is just chock full of good songwriting and good performances from Will Toledo and from you know his his performing band. Yeah, so this seems to be the token rock album that people are including in their top ten this year. This seems to be the one where people are saying, "No, rock's not dead. Rock is relevant." We got car seat headrest here channeling. Um, People keep saying pavement. I don't see that. I don't see the pavement comparisons. Was this is so much better than pavement. With this album, pavement. Sean hates pavement. I'm a big fan of a couple pavement albums. I don't necessarily, but I will say I don't necessarily see 
Like, I hear this and I don't hear pavement. I think that, and I haven't listened to much of his older stuff, maybe that's where the comparisons come from, from some of those sort of early albums he was putting out when he was literally in his in mom's car, Yeah, where the na- uh, band name comes from. Yeah, I'm not necessarily seeing the pavement comparisons. I see more comparisons to Guided by Voices, which I've heard a lot kind of, Kind of, but these songs are so much more fleshed out. fleshed out, yeah. Although, I haven't, again, Guided by Voices has a huge catalog. Right. All I'm really familiar with is B thousand, yeah. which has like must be fucking forty songs, and all of them are like thirteen seconds. Yeah, long. that's true. You know, let's not take away from this album. This is an amazing rock and roll effort it out is. of Will Toledo. This reinvigorates and in a way reinvents a genre that a lot of people have been saying is stale. I think. Some of the best songs of the year are on this album. I think Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales is one of the best songs of the year. I ranked it number three on my list. Um, I think that it was like kind of the only album that made any noise on our list or elsewhere that is really just straight ahead rock. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. doesn't have, yeah, yeah exactly. it doesn't fall exactly. into any niche. It's not punk. It's not pop punk. It's not emo in any way. Right. It's not like sort of kitschy indie stuff. It's really just a rock You know what's interesting and something that I don't think a lot of music writers or music blogs understand is that while rock might be receding from the top 40 or billboard charts, it is still very much popular with certain demographics. And we saw that when we went to see this band live. The crowd was full of like middle-aged white dudes. Right. It's these are people who grew up listening to classic rock who are looking for something like this. And I think it's really easy to make fun of middle-aged white dudes and yeah. have them be a punchline right now. You know, deservedly so sometimes. Sure. Because fuck white males. For the most part. So, but, like, they're still a big part of the music listening public, and this is what they flock to. It's like, pardon my take. Car seat headrest is music for white people by white people. That's exactly um, an right. An increasingly marginalized voice <laughs> in today's society. <laughs> That's a joke, everybody. I hope people would understand our sense of humor with that one. Uh, let's go into number nine here. Yeah. We have Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Skeleton Tree. Now, let me Skeleton say... Tree. When I first listened to this album, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I listened to this, by the way, this is the first ever Nick Cave album that I've listened to. Me too. I only listened to it because of the backstory around it where his son died unexpectedly while he was just starting to make this album. I was like, ooh, that's that's an interesting hook for a storyline. That falls in with the theme of death we've been seeing throughout the rest of 2016. I'll check it out. This album ends up being... So much more than just that initial storyline. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of those themes of death are present in this album. I mean, it's a Nick Cave album. What else do you expect? But there's beauty in here. There's hope. There's some really abstract lyrics that I that I really enjoy. There's a lot of minimal production and instrumentation. It's interesting on a lot of different levels. And I would encourage anyone who enjoys something that sounds like that to check it out. The, uh, Nick Cave's vocal delivery... So, again, the, like like you, this is my first experience with Nick Cave at all. His vocal delivery is pretty singular, and I'm pretty sure he's an influence on The National and Matt Berninger. And you can see that Nick Cave, um, kind of like Leonard Cohen, who we talked about just before this, who's number 11 on our list, 
is a really <laughs> idiosyncratic performer um, and vocalist where he just sort of has his style and he just sticks with it and he, and like that those are the voices though that that resonate through history and who you remember like Bob Dylan's Leonard Cohen's like Nick Cave is potentially in that discussion because he because he's someone who just very much does his own thing and doesn't worry about what other people think. I mean, I haven't taken the time to go back and get into any other Nick Cave. No. But I agree. The backstory on this was enough for me to get interested. And what ended up hooking me was just the songs are great. They are. Like, I, I love Jesus Alone. I love Skeleton Tree. That was really high on my uh, year-end ranking. I love all those songs, like uh, Girl in Amber, mm-hmm. uh, Rings of Saturn. Mm-hmm. A lot of good tracks Magneto. on here. Magneto. Um, is that an X-Men reference? What's he doing with that? Dude, who knows? Who knows? You believe in God, but you get no dis- special dispensation for this belief now. <laughs> a lot of words, not in that song. A lot of words to fit into that line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about the way it's, but before we move on, how about the way it starts off? This is a chilling line, the way it starts off. It's like, um, what was it? Like you you fell from the sky yeah. and crash landed near the River Ader. Whatever the ri- the other river thing is, this comes down to preparedness. Preparedness, which we've we don't have. This before. We're flying we, by the seat of our pants. Here. Yeah, we've never once looked up a lyric. So when I sing, you believe in God, <laughs> but you get no special dispensation for this belief. Now that's just because I know it off the top of my head, and because I thought it was some funny shit to say. It is funny. <laughs> it's a funny lyric. What do we it's got at number eight. What do we got at okay. number eight? Number eight. Uh, speaking of death, David Bowie with Black Star. Um, this. Stayed really high on my list uh, for year-end rankings in terms of albums. This was uh, one of the first albums we talked about in depth on the podcast back in January when it came out. Sort of a swan song for Bowie. I feel like we've covered it so many yeah. times, and here's why: it came out in January. Yeah. It may as well have come out last Here, year. This was the first, like, this was like the third podcast we did after we started the podcast. Yeah, and we've talked about. We had only just finished our list from last year. Right. We've talked about this album in a lot of different contexts throughout the year. We did a Bowie episode. We did a mid-year review episode. Let's talk about this in the context of at the end of the year and kind of what we're seeing or feeling with this. I'm happy. That this has remained so high up on both of our lists and other people's lists, despite the fact that it almost came out a year ago. I am too. I think that is, in many ways, when you look at it from this perspective, the most impressive thing about it. The fact that it's stuck around. Because, again, you could get caught up in the storyline of, oh, Bowie died. That's why this album's good. That's not the case. When I went back and listened... These these songs stand. It up. holds up. There this are, album would rank highly for me if he was alive or dead. It it would for me too. And and the thing is, like you asked me last time, would Black Star the song, and in this case the album, would it rank as highly if he hadn't died? And I stand by my answer, which is that I you really with this album you actually can't even do it because it was literally about his death, which he knew was coming, right? And kind of planned around yeah. to release the album. It's like a part of the record. It's true. Yeah, it's part, it's a part it's like of part its of DNA. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Number seven, Jake. We have Hamilton Lighthouser in Rostam. I had a dream that you were mine. This is one that got a lot of representation on our end of the year songs list. I was going to say a heavy hitter for songs. It did. Rostam, big year for him. He Huge came year. out with this. He had a hand in that Ra Ra Riot album. He he came out with a couple singles on his own. He had a hand in the Solange record. He had a hand in Blonde. I saw a picture that he put on Instagram. Um, I guess I follow Rostam on Insta. Sure. Um, and it was like these nine records, and it was, or uh, like I think some of them must have been singles because one was the Rostam one, right. Gravity Don't Pull Me. Yep. 
and he was like happy to really like feel um, lucky to have been involved with all these albums he this year. Rushed and it was Solange was on there, Blonde was on there, which I didn't even necessarily know. Yeah, I, I think know Lemonade either. was on there. Yeah, I did know that. Um, this album, Gravity Don't Pull Me, the single, Ra Ra Riot. And there was that other Rostam album. It was like Rostam and Wood or something. Oh, okay. One other. Missed that. But um, yeah, really, really impressive year from him. And this album yeah, is awesome. It's and it's actually what's weird about it, it's not what you'd expect from no. Rostam. It wasn't for me. No in in a way, it's not what you would necessarily expect from Hamilton Lighthouser. If you're familiar with his work in The Walkman, this is more kind of straight ahead indie rock. What you're getting on I Had a Dream That You Were Mine is almost a sampler platter of different musical styles and genres. You have kind of that straight-ahead rock with uh, A Thousand Times. You have Leonard Cohen-influenced folk with those finger-picked nylon string guitars on In a Blackout. You have some country-twinged tw- country uh, stuff with the... Um, with uh, the Morning Stars. Yeah. It, you have some almost dream pop with uh, 1959 yep. at the end. There's a lot of different things going on in this album, and I think that's kind of what they wanted to do, was we wanted to kind of take things that influenced us and we liked and do our own spin on it. Yeah. Um, really not much else to say about this for me, except Moonbeams are off the record, which is that last lingering lyric absolutely right. that wraps the album up. Uh, check out I Had a Dream That You Were Mine if you haven't. Number six, Cardinal by Pine Grove. Um... Another one it feels like we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Because this came out in February, and it's been a mainstay for us all year. We've been touting this for almost a full calendar year. Um, I feel like if you're a listener, if you've, you've actually... been beat over the fucking head with Pine with, Grove. You have. because And you've heard about new friends, you've heard about old friends, and Cadmium, and Aphasia, all year long. The reason is, it's a great, great it album. It holds up. You know what I love? Is that this is getting a, a lot of play on end of the year lists. It I, is, I, yeah. A ton. And I, I'm f- that's surprising for a lot of different reasons. One, it's in a it's coming out in a genre or is being associated with a genre that kind of gets the shaft by mainstream music press. And the other reason why I like it is it's a lot like Bowie. It came out early in the year and it's still getting love and people are still on about Pine Grove. I think what resonates with Pine Grove is even though they do get sort of, and part of it's of their own volition because they tour with these bands and it's part of the scene that they sort of associate with, they are kind of considered an emo band, but they're not really. They're kind of like, they have a lot of country influences. They, they have a lot do. of folk yeah. influences. Yeah. Um, Evan Stevens Hall, I That's think is right. his name, yep. he, as a songwriter, seems as influenced by sort of roots and kind of Americana genres yeah, yeah. as he is by any punk. Yeah. And I think that is what is so endearing about this album is that it doesn't feel like a lot of other records that come out in that genre. It doesn't have a lot of the same trademark sounds. It ends up feeling kind of like a punk folk record or something. For me, this album ranked so highly for me on my list, and this was actually number four on my list overall, was because this resonated with me emotionally not only when it first came out but throughout the rest of the year this was something that i went back to a lot i had multiple different phases of listening to cardinal in different contexts i had just insular headphone listens by myself where the album as a whole meant a lot to me i had listens um on party playlists where new friends would be playing 
I had listens in the car with friends. I experienced this album <clears throat> in a lot of different ways this year. And in the end, that matters a lot. It is you know, if you can listen to an album in a lot of different contexts and you can live with it for a while, that goes a long way. And for me, Pine Grove was one of those albums that just across the board um, got a lot of plays for me. And it didn't hurt that we saw them live twice. And both times, um, they were enjoyable as an onstage presence. They, We actually got the chance to meet Evan, the lead singer, after a show at UNH. And he was really pleasant, really nice. Took the time to talk to us for a little bit. We saw them again in Boston at mm-hmm. the Middle East. I guess that's technically in Cambridge. Yep. Right? And they, they were funny. They were like playing this word game on stage where they were yeah. trying to talk through sentences with only one syllable for each right. word. Right. They, they're just like, they seem like they're having fun with it. Right. And that goes a long way too because if you project an image of you're enjoying yourself and, and you're playing good music, that I think that really matters. And so Pine Grove, in a lot of ways to me, feels like the presence, the band that I almost most associate with 2016. Because yeah. I think it just has like, they've permeated the whole year. Yeah. Because they this album came out in February. It's been a mainstay since then. And we've sort of seen them throughout the year. They've kind of they continued to pop up. Absolutely. And here they are being represented at the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, number five, Jake. We have Frankie Cosmos, Next Thing. This album is the little engine that could you know what you for should 2016. have said it, it really is and you know what you should have said you should have said the next thing on our list oh god damn it I see we I gotta, we gotta be better about this it's preparedness fuck is what it comes down to and that's no big deal I mean it's just a chance at a pun what what do you think about next thing as ranking so highly on our list though at number five do you agree with that sentiment it's it's kind of the, the little album that could <laughs> I absolutely agree with that sentiment. It's third on my overall list. I ranked it third. I, I think it was fifth on mine, so yeah. I, I love this album so much. And Frankie Cosmos, her songwriting ability I, is just... It's uncanny, really, because she has this ability to churn out song after song that's basically centered around one or two little hooks, and then she just gets out. It's like it's like Hemingway-type writing, yeah, where it's just super yeah. efficient... There's kind of a driving thought. She's in, she's out. It's a little lo-fi, but you get the idea. And she's just endearing as a character. Like, I feel like I, I root for her. There's the lyric on the album where she says, I'm, like, I'm the kind of girl who gets splashed by puddles or whatever. Yeah. Like, you, you just get the feeling that she's this kind of a little bit down and out, kind of goofy. I'm 20, washed up already. Yeah, she's yeah. just this girl who's she's figuring herself out. And, you know, she has a lot of uh, frailties as a person. Like, there's that one where she's talking about... Um, if I'm not the prettiest girl at a party or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm the best you can do, though, or something like right. that. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So there's a lot of insecurities tied up in this. There's a lot yep. of eccentricity. She definitely seems like she's a little bit of quirkiness going on. Yep. Um, but it turns into an album that's just like endlessly endearing for me. I always want to listen to this. I do, too. And that's that's what I came back to. Helps that it's 20 minutes. Yeah, it, it's like 26, 27, 27. something like that. Yeah, but it's like 15 songs. Yeah. So that's something for me that I kept coming back to towards the end of the year. I was like, you know, I'm always down to listen to next thing. I always want to listen to it. And I'm always going to enjoy it. So yeah, it's going to rank highly for me. The other thing, and yeah, you mentioned a lot of this. It's her lyric. It's her lyricism. It's it's the way she writes songs feel like she, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it's like she's letting you in on private conversations that are happening in her life and like deep, dark feelings. If this was a summer camp, where we're giving out end-of-year awards, 
and maybe we will next week. Yeah. This would be sort of the most improved or like started from the bottom, now we hear now album. We hear. Because yeah. if you think back to when we first got into we this We were not album, into this. We weren't high on it at all. It took me five listens to really get into this. I listened to it two, three times, and I distinctly remember texting you and being like, this Frankie Cosmos album, like, it's getting a lot of play. I'm not sure I like it. And, and I said, it I, was kind of a little earworm after a while. I said the same thing to you. I remember distinctly where I was. It was back in the old basement. I was in my old basement. record the podcast. I was texting. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put my head down and make myself like this album. Yeah. And I remember, I think I listened to this album three or four times in a row while I just sat down there. And by the like the end of that second listen, I, I was all in on it. For me, it was less deliberate. It just sort of slowly started to work its way over me because there are a lot of earworms on here. And after a while, I just sort of realized, like, oh, shit, like, I kind of love this album. Because on paper, this is an album, this is catnip for me. Yeah. You know, like... like it's, the, like, it's actually... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Like, these emotional lyrics, they're really unique. They're kind of self-deprecating in a way. She's letting you in on some private moments in her life. Like, that's... You know, that's all I ever want out of lyricism. And I knew that. And I just... That's why I knew. I was like, I gotta stick with this. I gotta make myself like it. The album on our list kind of is the girl who gets splashed with puddles and it's kind of one of this thing it's like a movie trope where it's there the whole time and it's your it's been your friend <laughs> and then she takes her glasses yeah, off and, and it's helped pretty. It's, and the album's yeah. helped you through hard times and then by the end of the movie you're like hey hold on a minute I'm in love with this album <laughs> that's right do I love this album? <laughs> I love this album. I think I do. That's it's right. a total trope. Absolutely. Um, Frankie, listen to our, our, our discussion and maybe work that into some lyrics. That's a good <laughs> About metaf- like these like shitty entitled white males. Right. It's a good it's a good metaphor. We moving on? Yes. So the next thing on our list, I'm gonna use the pun now if we can't use it before. Okay. I'm very excited for this. So this is an album that came in number two on my list by point zero one points. Mm. Point zero one. It, it was up until literally the last minute going to be number one, uh-huh. and it just barely got beaten out. This is Whitney with "Light Upon the Lake." Um, I, nah, <laughs> I'm like speechless. <laughs> I just love it. I, and here's you what happened. F- okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Here's what happened. As I've been doing my re-listens of this record, of of all the albums for the year, I I got to this one. I was like, all right, I kind of saved it. I was like, let's see if I still yep. think this is as good as I thought it was. And I, I listened, and I was I put it up a little loud. And I was at work too, where mm. not the best listens happened. I was smitten with yeah, this fucking record. Yeah. I was like the horns, the the melodies, yep. just the vibe. I still loved it just as much, and it, it still couldn't quite hold on to number one. <laughs> you know what's funny? You ranked this as your number two album. In my mind, this is your favorite album. <laughs> this is just your favorite. But it's actually not. It's, I know, but in like my mind, it's like no, no. This is Jake's actual favorite. It's it it was seriously very close, and I made a call that I'm comfortable with. That's good. Okay. But think of this: the point separation. I know it's ba- yeah, right, right. And the thing is, is you know what's funny? It might be my. It, it's definitely my most overall enjoyed album of the year, just yeah. from that point of view. You they know, gave it a nine point nine overall <laughs> enjoyment. <laughs> you know what's funny is, I also loved this album. Yeah. It it seems like I don't like it in comparison to you for how much you like it. Yeah. It's just one of those albums. Um, Can I just say, I feel like that's a phenomenon more common the other way around. Yeah, it is. Somehow. It is. It is. I think Camp Cope's a good example. Yeah. I think Frightened Rabbit's a good example. Yes. I get so high on certain albums. Although I guess you could argue the same happened with Jank as yeah, happened with Pro- that's, Frightened Rabbit. That's right. Yeah, that's true. So, 
Um, you know, I mean, I ranked this a 9.2 out of 10. You ranked it a 9.6. So, like... Where was it in your... It was, uh, it was number 11. It just missed the top 10. So, really so high. It was also very, very high. I love this album. It's beautiful. Um, feels like summer to me. Me too. But you know what? I listened to it in the context of winter the other day. And it still it works. still worked out. It's one of out. those albums. That's great. Yeah. I. Everyone give this album a listen. And you know what? I can actually foresee... That it might not be everyone's cup of tea. Oh, um, yeah. It's actually kind of... If you're looking at our list and you're going through and you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to the Listening Podcast top 10 albums of the year or top 15, it's kind of a, like an outlier. It's sort of a weird sound in ter- like in terms of like what you'd come well, to expect. You know what? You know what? Yeah. No. I, if we're looking at our top 10 in general, especially the ones that we've talked about so far, I think you could classify this as like white guy, mid-20s generally rock music. This with is like his? music for us, by us, basically. I'm, with the exception of like maybe Frankie Cosmos, but even that is wheelhouse for us. Yeah, I guess I'm saying not the fa- not demographically speaking. I'm not talking about the fact that it's like white guys making indie music. The sound of this, I just don't think you'd expect from like this year. Or for like an right, album that's okay. going to be ranking okay. high. Yeah, when yeah, you first yeah. hear it, it, it's almost a little kitschy at first. Yeah. You're like, oh, they're doing like a Earth 70s, 70s sort thing. of golden sounds of California thing or yeah. whatever. It's a lot more than that to me, though. I mean, like, I, I something about this record just hooked me early on. And it's, yeah, and I think... It's never let go. The drawback of that sound is that if you listen to this once or twice yeah. and that doesn't immediately hook you or resonate with you, you're going to write it off as just as just that, what, what you said. Of like, oh, I, I see what they're doing. But for us, we really like that sound. It resonated with us. It stayed in our rotation of listens. Yeah. So we kind of got that emotional connection. But I can see other people just being like, nah. And that's the thing that I, I think is weird about this. is, And the reason I never expected it to attain and remain as high as it has in my, like, just in my estimation and on my list is that on its surface, it... It has the vibe and kind of feel of an easy listening album or something. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. And it's really hard for me to point to or put a finger on specifically. There's something, there's a little more depth to it than First Meets the Eye. Yeah. I think there is. It's, just, it's really rich as an album. Dude, how about that song that comes along like seven tracks in? It's just like a jazz song. Yeah. It's With awesome. Red Moon or whatever it's yeah, called. Like yeah, that doesn't pop up on other albums. I, and I think that like, of many of the songs in our list, it, it's so realized in terms of finding a tone and finding a sound, yeah. sticking to it and really perfecting it. Yeah. The guitar tones on here, it sounds, I mean, I bet they didn't. It sounds like they labored over figuring out just the right fuzziness, just the right amount of clean sound. Yep. And the horns, what's just the right way to record them. I mean, it all sounds pretty perfect for what they're going for. No, I, I would agree with that. Uh, number three. Mm. We have. This might come as a surprise, but also not a surprise. I don't know. But it was modern baseball. Modern baseball. Holy Ghost coming in at number three. This album, when we did our mid-year rankings back in the end of June, end of June, uh, we Jake and I both had this at our number one. Yeah, it was locked in at number one. We're like, yes, this is our favorite album of the year so far. As the year started to go on, and we kind of were mentioning this on the podcast, that it was falling a little bit for us. We hadn't listened as much. We might have burnt ourselves out on listening. It wasn't going to be as high. You know what? Number three 
on our list in a year as strong as 2016 is pretty fucking high, Jake. It's really high, and it's for good reason, because even though as the year's gone on, it's it's sort of my scores, as I went through, they eroded a little bit. I ended up digging it here and there. Um, replayability was one place where I kind of took a little bit, because for a while it was replayable endlessly. Right. But over the last half of the year, I haven't really replayed it much at all. Um, but yeah, it, it deserves its spot at number three, because it's a great album. It really, really is. The songwriting on here... For both Jake and Brendan, the sing- the songwriters in the band, has um, really grown. They're both they're growing and they're trying new things, which is cool. And th- this is another one where I feel like this is a story we've talked about so many times on the podcast throughout the year. It's almost like the the albums in our top ten are the, for a lot of them are the ones we've talked about just the most, right. which makes sense. It does, and it's like the story of the fact that this album is split in half, and the first half's Jake's side, the second half is Brendan's side. Like that's that's a tried and true fact of the podcast at this point. That that might that if is we don't, up there with just the name of our podcast. Yeah, if we don't bring it up on an episode of the show, it's like a surprise. <laughs> right. It's such a trope of this podcast. So that um the fact that it's been in our rotation enough to be mentioned and referenced as just as a point of reference for us all year as this is the thing to beat. This is sort of the carrot that all albums are chasing as they go forward. Uh, like the bar to be reached. I mean, I think that is, it deserves its stature, and, and it deserves to land where it did. So when I made my top albums list of the year, I labored over what my top one, two, and three were going to be. Um, I, I had a come-to-Jesus moment when I was by myself one night, uh, and I, I, I came to the realization about what my top three albums were. And you'll see what the other two are as we get to them with our two and one. Those were my other top three. This one was one that came to mind when I said, you know what? This is definitely one of my top three of the year. What, what, and when I, what I mean by this, what I'm trying to get at is when I was making my top three, I thought, okay, 2016 was a very specific year for me. A lot of things happened. It was a huge growth year for me as a person. And there were certain time frames and certain kind of eras of the year or certain sections of the year modern baseball and holy ghost encapsulates a section of the year that i think matches up with the music really really well it was kind of tumultuous it was emotionally confusing it was cathartic it was abrasive in a lot of ways seems uneven in some ways that's right it was uneven. It was confusing. It, it, May, June of this year was a, a kind of a life-changing stretch of months in my life. This album encapsulates that, and that's why it ended up ranking so highly for me. I said, you know what? Even if I didn't continue to listen to it as much, when I look at 2016, Modern Baseball and Holy Ghost are going to be a huge part of that. And they have to be ranked highly for me, no matter what I think of them right now, or you know I might not be as into them as I was. They have to rank highly. That's why they ranked number three for me. For me, it didn't fall that much. It ended up at number six, um, and it was just, you know, I loved this album, and I enjoyed all the songs immensely. And I had a period of really aggressive re-listening to this album often Mm -hmm. and especially the second half I would listen to Brendan's half of the album 
like on repeat. I would too. I would usually listen to it one, two, or three times in a row. Yeah. Because it's so quick. And you, you know what's quick quick fun fact? You know how Spotify does their your top songs of the year list that they yeah. gave you? It's the fuck Spotify for not doing my year in music this year and giving yeah. me stats. The only stat I got was my playlist of the songs I listened to the most. I you saw know, that too. You know what's number one? Um is it is it, it coding these to Lucans? It's coding these to Lucans because of how fucking much I would just listen to Bren's side. And that always kicked it off. And I think that that ended up being, and we've talked about the fact that it's side A, side B so many times, I won't belabor the point. I think ultimately that when I was in love with this album, when I was in the honeymoon phase of this album, um, ended up being a big reason why I liked it. It's now a big reason why I don't always feel like listening to it because while I like both sides of the album, Jake's side is heavier. There's yeah. it, not necessarily in terms of subject matter, but it's longer. It's, it's weightier. Harder to listen to. The songs are longer. It's <clears throat> it has more of a feel of like a singer songwriter yep. slash rock album. Whereas Brent's side is these quick one and a half minute quick hitting hooky songs. Where you know if and I I don't think they should change the thing they did. I like that they did the speaker box love below approach with this. I think that's one of the most memorable things about it in in retrospect. But if it were the mix that you got on You're Gonna Miss It All or on previous Modern Baseball albums, I, I want to say if I never knew about the fact that it could have been half and half, I might have listened more. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I would agree. I'm not sure. Maybe in the second half of the year. But my argument, at least at least for me personally, is, and I, I, I tie this back to what I just talked about with what was happening at my life at that time, and it's kind of like, this is how it happened, and it turned out okay. This is how the album's formatted, yeah. and you love it. And that's how you're gonna know it, and that's and that's fine. Oh, I totally you know? agree with that. I don't think they should change it. I'm just saying when I think about potential reasons that detract from my willingness to listen, part of it is I'm like I don't want to listen to the whole thing right now. I don't really feel like going through Jake's songs sure. as good as they Absolutely. are. I am not always in the mood for those. Absolutely. Moving on to number two. Number two. Um, fitting because the album has two twos mm. in it. This is Twenty Two A Million by Bonnie Vare. Um, came out the end of September. Uh, we were treated to a couple singles from Justin Vernon uh, early in, it was late summer, right? Yeah. Like end of August. Um, we got 22 A Million and Death Breast as singles. 22 Over Soon. Uh, 22 Over Soon, my bad. Um, and so those were the little precursor. And ever since those albums, those songs came out, I was really excited for the record. And the album lived up to it really amazingly. I mean, here it is at number two. So this was actually my album of the year. It beat out our number one by point zero one points. So much like Whitney, how it was number two by point oh one, this was my number one by point oh one. Oh. So this just barely beat out what our number one album overall from for my 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 top pick for the year. I gotta be honest, I didn't notice that when I saw your list, I thought it was the other way around. Oh no, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this is my favorite album of the year. Uh, took a, a weird path to get here. This was kind of like... I didn't expect this to end up being my number one album, but the more that I re-listened to it, the more that I spent time with it, the more that I realized this album had the most moments that were my favorite musical moments of the year. Almost every song has one that I love, that gives me goosebumps, that emo uh, resonates with me emotionally on a lot of different levels. Um, I went through, you know, and when I when I talk about modern baseball and why I rank that so high, really tumultuous period in my life, 
This one's kind of the opposite. This is a little bit more, you know, easygoing, pretty, which reflects where I was at in my life when this came out, where I feel like I finally figured things out and was in a better spot. And that's why it ranks so high to me, because it reflects that period of time. Um, so this is just that other kind of piece of the puzzle in terms of my top three albums being timestamps for 2016 and and a, a reflection of what was happening at the time. This ended up fifth on my list overall, just behind Black Star by David Bowie, Frankie Cosmos, Whitney, and our number one album that we'll announce soon. Um, I think a reason it didn't get quite as high on my list as it did with yours, if I'm guessing, is for some reason I had kind of a hot, like flash in the pan sequence of weeks with this album where I was really, really into it. And I still retain the knowledge of how good it is. And I understand how great it is. For some reason, since that time, I haven't gone back and listened as much as I know I need to for it to be an album that I love and I'm going to have in the discussion for one, two, or three. I'm not saying I haven't listened enough to know it. I'm saying I haven't wanted to listen no, I that much. Yeah, I understand. And, and you know, that almost happened with me too I came out and I remember saying on this podcast I was like is it too early to say this is my album of the year oh I remember and then I I hit a similar wall where I was like oh other stuff's coming out gotta listen to this and this kind of fell by the wayside a few weeks later I was like whoa a new Bonnie Vare album came out what the fuck how is this not just constant rotation yeah and I went back and I just lived with it more and I was like okay this is this is the truth like I, I need to <laughs> rethink what this album is in the context of my year-end list. And I think that is the difference there, is we were both really heavy and into it when it first came out. I ended up having that renaissance with it. I don't know that you ever did. When I went back and listened, something about it didn't totally hook me again and make me say I have to have another phase with this. Gotcha. I listened again maybe a few times, and while I always enjoyed it, and while I always enjoyed several songs on it, and really the whole thing as a whole, I it's just one of those intangible things. Like, I can't always explain it or put, like, an eloquent show sure. on oh, it and no, say, absolutely. this is the reason. But something about it where when I would revisit it, I definitely enjoyed it. And, I, I mean, it was my fifth album overall of the year. Right. Somehow, it didn't hook me in the way where I was constantly thinking about it like the albums that were just ahead of it do you i have two questions one do you think that is because it's too short um i don't know does it feel too brief to be a a a resonant bon iver album no it doesn't feel too brief i don't think to be an album at all because like not even bon iver or whoever because like frankie cosmos is in my top three okay um it's just i don't know i can't put a finger on it i obviously love it it, it's it's a really difficult, intangible thing for me to try to explain. Last question before we move on to our number one. Is this one that you see potentially, if we come back in four months, ranking higher or lower? Wow. That's hard to say. Maybe a little higher. Okay. I don't know. Because I, I, I want it to be higher. Okay. I want it to, to creep into my top three, my top two. Um I, I don't know. There's something that happens. This, this is an album that, like, I I want... This is one that I, like, want to have on vinyl. I want to, like, have yeah. this be, like, a 
like a physical thing for me. And, and like this is one that I'm like, this is gonna. When I look back in ten years, I feel like this album's gonna mean more in ten years than it does to me right now. And it's a bummer what's happening here because this is the effect of like what you said with Whitney, where my love of that album seems so strong that it almost makes it seem like you don't, I don't like, like it. it. Yeah, which I've actually never thought. But with with Bonnie Vare, I mean, I people should understand that that's not the case at all. I love this record. I've rated it very very highly, and I enjoy it every time I listen. I. I mean, like, I love almost every song on here. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where sometimes... It's actually kind of like what you've said with Radiohead occasionally. No, I, I like this better than the Radiohead album. Yeah. But it's the thing where there's something when I'm listening, I'm like, there's just a something, something a little off. that's a tiny bit off. Yep. I can't place it. I can't name it. Um, but it, it's for that reason, it's not in my top two or three. Sure, and, that, and that's and that's fair. I'm going to be really interested to see where all of these end up ranking yeah. as we come back and revisit Number one, Jake, our number one album of 2016. You know, if you told me that this artist would come out with an album at the start of 2016 and you said it would end up being our favorite, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be totally fine with that. Well, I wouldn't have believed that the album would have come out. (laughs) That's right. It's Frank Ocean. It's Blonde. It's our number one album of 2016. It was my number two. It was almost my number one. It was Jake's number one. Yeah. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it might as well have just been both of our number ones. Um, what what else can we even say about this album? So with Blonde, again, I had some soul searching to do. Because I had, like you had a tie basically between Bonnie Vare and Frank Ocean. I had essentially a tie in my mind between Frank Ocean and Whitney. And I went back and listened to them both. And the other day I was getting ready for work and... I woke up and for some reason Ivy was in my head and I just was like, you know, I'm going to listen to Ivy while I take a shower and get ready. So I put it on my phone and just for, I rarely listen to music like as I'm getting ready, but I did this on, on this specific day. It was a couple days ago. I put it on while I was in the shower. I was like, damn, like this song is amazing. And I, from that point on, I only meant to listen to a song or two and then go on and listen to a podcast or something while I walked into work. I couldn't stop listening to the album. Mm-hmm. Every new moment that came on, I was like, I, I can't stop it here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, Am I going to stop it at a Fizzbook? I can't do that. <laughs> I can't stop it at Siegfried. So I'd get to every song, and what ended up happening was I listened to the whole record. And it's just because it's so fucking good. You nailed it. That's almost exactly what would happen to me back when this first came out, was just like, yeah, I'm going to listen to a song here or there, and then you just get sucked in, and you mm-hmm. want to listen to it, and then you want to listen again. And I remember... This was huge for us when we kind of first moved into the house. It was this came out in August. We had moved into our house together with our friends uh, in July. We were finally getting settled. We got into a groove, and I remember listening to this out on our deck as yep. the summer was kind of ending. Our deck, which is now covered in snow. That's right. It, and the summer was kind of ending, and this really, really just hit emotionally for me. And this is that third piece of the puzzle when I talk about how sort of at the beginning or first half of the year it was turmoil it was confusion it was that kind of emotionally abrasive that was modern baseball Bonnie Vare was kind of the aftermath of all of that and kind of the place I'm at right now where just things feel okay and pretty and good Frank Ocean Blonde was almost that in between where it was like things have changed and are changing and are still in the process of changing and this is the soundtrack to that right now that's that third piece that makes the triangle of kind of the year that I had um, and that's why it ranked so highly for me. It was really, really important in that regard. This album, we talked earlier about the idea of 
the concept of an album being sort of reinvented or rejuvenated or however you want to say it this year. Um, in a year where that happened with a lot of records, Blonde is an album where it really is just an experience to be to take part in because you put it on and and more so than Channel Orange by a lot, which is an amazing album. I love that's Frank Ocean's previous album for anyone who doesn't know. But more, more than that album, or is it Endless? Yeah, that's a good point. Endless, which I, people just have kind of forgotten about, which we, is really weird. We haven't. Okay. It landed on our top twenty-two. 25. What I was saying was Blonde, it's what happened to me. You put on one song and you really can't help but want to, you get sucked into the segues because while there are definite singles on this, Ivy, Solo, Self Control, isn't really a single, but it's one. it was one of our high, highly ranked from our songs podcast. It, it's more, it feels more like a happening. Like you, you, you immerse yourself in it. And it's kind of these similar themes and sounds that that kind of permeate the whole thing. It's Frank's sort of haunting, echoey vocal, limited percussion, mm. um, just really interesting melody. The way he messes with melody and the way vocals are recorded, it just has this unique sound to it. It's an album where, when it came out, what's interesting was, I remember Stephen Hyden wrote a piece, and I think the general vibe early on was actually in accordance sort of with what he said, which was Frank Ocean made like a good album, but he didn't make one as good as Channel Orange. It's not great. And I remember for the first week or so thinking, yeah, I, you know, I kind of agree with that. I don't know that Blonde is necessarily so great. I, that, I can't, I'm not latching onto it as much. It actually has more staying power than Channel it Orange, does. in my um, opinion. At this point, I would be kind of willing to say I like it more. I do like I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I like Blonde more than Channel Orange. I think I do too. The other thing I was going to say is this is pop music filtered through. Frank Ocean sensibilities and brain, which is a weird. Place. And what I mean by that is like, this is so unique where it's it's all catchy, but at the same time, it's like challenging, and yeah. that's why I think at first you're like, yeah, this is good, but I don't fully get it, and then you do, and then it hits you. Um, the other thing about this is I think one of the reasons why listening to this feels like such an event or or happening is the way it was released. Yeah, you had Endless coming, which was a huge, huge deal for two days. And then this immediately hit. And then this was the focus. Um, so I think that's another reason why this is... This album's so 2016. In yeah. a lot of different ways. It's... Um, it, it it plays into a lot of what we were talking about with the surprise releases. Or, you know, what is an album in 2016. It plays into a lot of kind of the other subject matter that we talked about. But it's also still a pop album. And it's an R&B album. It... I think it is just very much 2016. With this album, and this was, I think, the distinguishing factor for me when I had to make the tough call of is it Whitney or is it Blonde? It wasn't the the, the what I kind of see as a bullshit reason of this album's more important. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, if you put the scales up, the scales of justice, and say, <laughs> right. what's the more important record, Blonde or Light Upon the Lake? It's pretty fucking easy. It's right. Blonde. And any critic would say so. Light Upon the Lake did okay in right. album reviews as the, at the end of the year. Um, with Blonde, it was the idea of like I just I was constantly kind of attracted to it. Yeah. Like I'd see the cover and I'd like want to. I'd hear yeah. a song. I'd like hear it referenced, and I I kind of like couldn't look away. I was like sort of magnetized yeah. to it, and I I just it's this album where when I know I really love an album or there's something really special about it or that it's a, like an all time classic, there's something about it where when I see it, there's like a jolt of a little yeah. bit of adrenaline. I get a little excited when I see it. Um, 
and it just that always happens with Blonde more than anything else on my list where I, I am sort of captivated and intrigued and like I still feel like as many times as I've listened to it I could pop Blonde on right now and find something new Absolutely. about it and Absolutely. find out some a little nuance that Frank slipped in there yep. and because of the way he sings maybe I even learn a new lyric or two because yep. it's like I, I, some, I don't know all the words right. to Blonde because right. it's, it's mostly mood but it, that's why so much washes over you in spurts as you actually do listen to it so I, that's what ended up being the deciding factor is I kind of looked at both and I decided like this is the one that's a little more intriguing in that way this is the one where when I think of them as albums I'm more sort of excited and intrigued by the idea of Blonde definitely definitely and so that was the distinguishing factor for me yeah uh, great album uh, great year for music in general I think that probably wraps it up for our 2016 albums countdown here we are man uh, you know tweet at us let us know what you thought let us know what your favorite albums were and uh, come back next week for our end of the year kind of recap one more podcast in 2016 that's right Sean. it's it's a uh... That's a lot. We, it is. It's a year of it's podcasting. Year. We started this this mission out. I won't get too sentimental yet. We'll save that for next yeah. week. But, you know, we sort of started this last December. Here we are a year later. We've gone through the whole year. This is really the big, in my mind. I this think was it, kind of the... This is the, yeah. the, the cherry on top podcast. Agreed. This is the big one we're building to all year. And it's finally here. It's actually it kind of hard to believe that it's December fifteenth. A lot of fun. Good year. Yeah. Good pat year. ourselves on the back. Listeners, tweet at us patting us on the back, please. <laughs> hashtag pat us on the back. <laughs> it's a long hashtag. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. All right. I try to put one in the air. Cranes in the sky on a hot mic. That's probably going to show up really, really high on that. It had a little bump in the sound. Do you think that is better or worse than my Rihanna? Work, 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 work. Um, I think work was better. I agree. Work I was agree. a better that was, impression. That was bad. Yeah. And we were doing the beat, and do, I was... Do, do, ch, do, it's the Pitbull beat. Ch, yeah. It's Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> that, it's that impression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so big news for us... Is that we are? It's beard growing season for us. Oh yeah, we're try, well. I mean, and like certain people who know us will laugh. They'll be like, "Oh, these two fucking like little boys are trying to grow beards." Well, okay. The so I I we have certain people in our friend group in our circle who uh, can grow better beards than us. Yeah, who like probably a lot of shit them. all over us if if they're like, "Oh, so, that they're trying to grow a beard." So I'm gonna paint a picture with words for you listeners. Sean has an advantage in beard growing season because Sean grows a good mustache and a good under the bottom lip and chin area, like the goatee part of your beard. Comes in nice. For me, I just get the mustache and the chin up through my neck, all over my neck, and then up the sides of my face. The other disadvantage I'm at is that a lot of it comes in blonde. Mm. Um, Foreshadowing so, for the album countdown, at least it is. Yeah, actually. So you now know our number one album of the that's year right. is Blonde. Right. So there's that's no sort of feels weird to say that now. It does. Like, before this we is, actually say this it. is before, but it's right. not really for them. It's after, right. unless you skipped. In in that case, that's spoiler, true. you sort of you have yourself to blame. <laughs> that's true. So Sean has a better beard than I do, but as, as some listeners know, I, I've tried before, and it gets there eventually. Okay. In some ways. 
Well, I think we're both going to get there eventually. It's just going to take a little work. It's going to take some Rihanna work. Awkward, awkwardness to get through, but I think we're going to get there. I think this is the right time of the year to do it. It's cold out. It's bare weather. It is. It's bare weather out there. Right. So. And for me, like, I, it was freezing today as I walked to work. Yeah. Good thing you we got, like, this extra layer of protection. Yeah, I was like, good thing I have some sporadic hairs on my cheeks to, like, stand straight out from my face and, like, not cover anything. Awesome. Good thing I have this beard. It's doing its evolutionary purpose. Yeah, so we should we should keep everyone you know should abreast do, of the beard situation you know on the listening do. pod Twitter. Maybe we get involved in the steroid game. We take a little bit yep. of testosterone. I've legitimately considered it. We up our tea a little bit. Just to get like my beard better. We boost our tea. Also, maybe I'll do what some guys do and like diet. Oh. Not diet, like eat better, like dye my beard hair. Right, there. right. Um, so yeah, you know what you can do is like brush a little just, just for, for men, men. Yep. into your into your beard. <laughs> Some touch of gray. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong idea. <laughs> Not what I need. Um, uh. Listeners, get at us about beard season. <laughs> what do you think? What are your thoughts? Can you grow a good? They're beard? like, I think you guys look like shit, and you should stop. Big shout to friends of the pod, Josh. And Kevin and Mitch, who all can grow good beards. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my brother Matt can grow a pretty good beard. We're you know, gonna get there. We're gonna get there. It's gonna it, be all it's been in my whole life is this. It's this carrot that I'll never get. Right. right I just right. keep thinking like I look at when I shave. I'm like, oh look, look at that. I always Ooh. trick myself. Mm. I look in the mirror and I'm like, you know what? This stubble feels like kind of thick. It's kind of a lot. And then it grows in. And I'm like, oh, it's just the same beard I've always had. Like not good. Right. But I think so. I did a lot of research. And it sounds like what you have by your late twenties is just what you're gonna have. For All right, so we got a couple more years of to, thickening to like hopefully figure this out. Is it true? Is this a fallacy? Let me know. If you grow it and shave it, let it grow back and shave it, does that promote more growth? So I looked this. I looked into this when I was growing my October beard or whatever it was. It, it from all I can tell, it's a fallacy. Uh, okay. From all, I guess it makes sense, right? It's like, why would that do anything? Right, because you're just cutting, you're just shaving the hairs down. If anything, I think what helped mine a little bit, and I'm hopeful this time will be a little better than September, October, is um, by shaving it off after you let it grow out for a long time. That's my next question. I think some hairs that never had the chance. That's my next question, is if you just let it go for like a month, yeah. does that allow other hairs that weren't originally there to, to grow? And you're not just always keeping it down with shaving. I have noticed on my own face that some of the like smaller, wispier, like blonde ones have grown in more readily. Okay. If like when I just let it go, like I started noticing okay. hairs grow out that okay. I never noticed before. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's beard season. All right. That's Get at us know. with your with yeah. your beard tweets. We'll keep you abreast of the situation. Yeah, we can tweet it out. It's not a competition because if it were, I'd be losing, and it's all right. You know what? I, I've moved past it, at least publicly. Privately, I'll never <laughs> I, uh, be over it. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, anything else? Do we do we have anything else? Uh, for, this, for the pre-show? No. Or the post-show? Post-show. I think we're good. We dropped a huge spoiler. So if someone like accidentally fast-forwarded to the exact... Who's doing that, though? you got to be a fucking psychopath. Maybe what someone that ever like, happened to you when you listen to a podcast? Maybe someone was like, I'll fast-forward to the top five and not listen to all the, the other drivel. And they accidentally fast-forwarded too far to me being like, Blonde is the number one. So they got to like the best part of the podcast, the after yeah. show. Actually, they got to the part where we're like, tired. Yeah. Because by the end, I'm always really tired. Me too. No, I'm talking about this. Oh, this, yeah, this, yeah. yeah. Right, right now, I'm not. Yeah, right, good point. Right, good right, point. right, right, right. 
Okay. Uh, should we dive in? Yeah, we should. Okay. All right. Let's dive in. Okay. Let's dive in. Dive in. Okay. Dive in. Ready? Should we dive in? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Ready. You know what? I can, real quick. I yeah. can't dive. Really? I can't dive. Really? Another source of shame. Wow. It's you know what? All the the fact that I had a childhood where I was afraid of everything is probably no small part of why I, I can't grow a good beard. I will say it took me longer to be comfortable diving. Yeah. But once I was, I could do it. Do you think there's a direct correlation between being able to dive and beard growing? It seems like there is. Like me, it's taken me a little bit longer yeah. to like grow something. Yeah. You, yeah. it just seems you can't do it. Is th- that what we're getting at? Is that what you're trying to tell us? I think that's what it is. It's like the diving board, it has to do with masculinity. Okay. That's just the bottom line. Okay. Like, t- dude, warriors and like tough guys can yeah. all grow beards. That's also, true. presidents through the annals of history that's have grown true. beards. That's true. A trend that Abe Lincoln set, by the way. Although, quick fun fact, and then we'll get off this and we really will dive in. Look up Abe Lincoln's beard. You'll be surprised. It's literally just a neck beard. Mm. He didn't have a mustache or anything on the cheeks. He had just, or maybe he had the cheeks. It was just like mostly neck. So like Andrew Luck. Right, but even Andrew Luck didn't keep this shaved. Andrew the Giant Luck, yeah. Yeah. You know, we got out there and we just didn't didn't perform. Sort of a good, good game out there for the guys. You know, good to get another loss. <laughs> okay, now let's dive in. All right, we'll dive in now. Uh, okay, ready? Three, two. Hold on, hold on. One. 